Sunday record closing highs so far for the day. Blasting through a ceiling. In a record-setting IPO. Investors who have been riding the wave. When the stock market is booming, we're made to believe the economy is booming. As the stock market goes, so goes the wealth and the health and economy. So what exactly is the stock market measuring? Capital FM, 12th of September 2023. Good evening. Another wonderful Tuesday uh, evening for our financial forecast. A show that seeks to to delve uh, further into economy, money matters, finance. Nyambura Ndongo alongside Kengishinga, Chief Economist, Mentory Economics. And as you are trying to get into the mood on Monday morning, Take time and get your weekly global roundup every Monday morning by subscribing to www.mentoria.co.ke. Ken, good evening. How are you? Good evening, Yambara. How have you been? Uh, it's uh, been a, must, it must have been a sad couple of days, obviously, has, with the has. loss of our dear friend and colleague, Sean Cadavillas. Truly. Um, the mood, obviously, is somber. Yeah. And we can only wish, uh, particularly his family, really peace. Indeed, uh, we start the show on uh, a somber mood and we take time to wish our deepest and sincere condolences to Mze John George Cadvillis, his family, the entire CFM family here, friends who've turned family, sub- the sporting fraternity on the loss of Sean and we pray for peace and comfort and healing as we journey through this life. Uh, you're listening to us on 98.4 Capital FM. You can catch us on www.capitalfm.co.ke uh, stroke listen live for our online listeners. You can get us on Twitter. Sorry, it's X now. You can get us on X at Capital FM Kenya, hashtag financial forecast. You can get us on our WhatsApp line at 0701-98494 and let us know and give us feedback and um, you can ask any questions that you have. So we get into the show and we start um, by looking at how the markets are looking globally. Uh, we begin with the global outlook and uh, how are the stocks performing can the Nasdaq see? Indeed, Nyambura, it's uh, the global markets have steadied. Yesterday there was a mini rally. Today are things a bit steady, really, because uh, traders really expecting to see what. Uh, the latest inflation print mm-hmm. will come out tomorrow. So the big macroeconomic events for this week could be the U.S. inflation, which mm-hmm. is expected tomorrow, and uh, the ECB uh, meeting, uh, which is expected on Thursday on the interest rates. Obviously, next week is really the big week uh, when the Fed and the Bank of England uh, meet. So I think uh, the data that comes out, the inflation expectations will really drive uh, much of the movement in the next few days and yeah, it would be interesting to see really how that plays out. Okay, for the inflation, what are your predictions? Uh, we, the expectation is that we might see co-inflation um, coming down to 4.3% mm-hmm. uh, and um, headline inflation up 3.6%, mm-hmm. so still higher than uh, the targets, yeah. um, which is 2% really for monetary policy purposes. It is quite high. I, can you can... Uh, Remind us, I know you've said this before in, in uh, many of our sessions, but what is core, what is headline inflation? Yeah, that's a very good question, Yambure. Indeed, um, core inflation really uh, looks at uh, the non-fuel and uh, non-energy costs, okay. and non-food, non-fuel costs, which tend to be very volatile 
uh, in to a particular extent. So co-inflation tells is t- gives you a truer picture of the economy because it tells you now inflation has really seeped into the heart of the economy. You know, it, it's gone into wages, okay. it's gone into other things. So headline inflation typically adds food and fuel, which tend to be very volatile and can give you a complicated picture. So you find in the more developed countries, yeah. they pay attention to co-inflation, but in, in developing countries such as Kenya, the headline inflation mm-hmm. um, is, is what is most observed. But both numbers are are, are, are pretty critical for uh, in terms of interest rate setting. Okay, so I can say we're going to be looking at a lot of headline inflation later in the show. <laughs> for the European Central Bank meeting, what do you reckon will be the focus? Uh, I think the expectation there is rates will remain unchanged. Yeah. Um, obviously, the labor markets um, are, are not where they should be. There's worry about Europe going into a recession, okay. uh, particularly, you know, countries like Germany you know, uh, has been really moving towards recession. So I think interest rate, um, the ECB might actually consider retaining rates, but there's still a 25% chance with the markets that we might see a quarter percent uh, interest rate hike. That's still on the table, but uh, very much I think a lot of market expectation is that they'll hold it steady. There's something that is happening in Asia and uh, you can tell us about the Bank of Japan. Yes, Bank of Japan is actually doing something very interesting. They actually want to get out of negative interest rates. And uh, that's a huge story. Actually, that's uh, besides the U.S. inflation numbers coming out, that's probably the second biggest story driving um, global markets today. Negative interest rates. <laughs> Ken, that sounds like dissonance. How does that work? What, what is it? You know, when you live in a country like Kenya, interest rates are approaching 20%. Negative interest it's rate. I'm not even heard of that. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, the Bank of Japan has really faced uh, what you'd call um, a huge deflation. And uh, in a deflation is opposite the opposite of inflation, where prices are really um, going down, and when prices go down, it really affects um, things around GDP and expectations. So for the longest time, they have actually maintained almost zero interest rates um, so that activity, inflation can come up. Yeah. But that hasn't worked out. So if you don't, if that doesn't work out, you actually now move into negative territory. Europe also had uh, some semblance of that. So we actually you're paying money, yeah. <laughs> actually, to have to, to for for the bank to keep it uh, for you. So this is a way to disincentivize savings. It's really a way of getting money out. Yeah. Uh, most people, I guess, they believe zero is sort of like the ceiling, but you can actually go into negative because you are disincentivizing. No, you're actually making it into a cost. Keeping the money in the bank is actually a cost to you. It's not. No, it's no longer an asset. So that's how deep. Uh, Japan had gone because of its deflation. It was about 10 years in a deflation. So I think it's part of really getting the economy out. And now that inflation is sort of picking up, mm-hmm. I think now they're ready to get out of that that territory. Still on it. So let me, in layman's language, they have so much money that they're just keeping it. Like, you know, here... Uh, the government, everybody is, is looking for money. So the banks, me getting, first of all, that money is going to be so expensive for me. So on the other side, does that mean that I would have so much money, I don't need to go and get money from the bank? 
That's exactly what it means. Well, this applies mostly on depositors. Okay. So this is your deposit. So let's say you have your million shillings, your 10 million shillings. Yes. Here in Kenya, you'd get... In, actually, deposits in Kenya are at a five-year high. So we're actually the opposite. Totally. <laughs> of, of Japan. So here in Kenya, we are fighting for deposits uh, to be able to facilitate lending. Uh, but in economies like in Japan, yeah. where really inflation is so low, um, actually it's 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 almost point something. Then it's in the best interest for them to try and maintain uh, money out of the banking sector. So the only way they can do that is to reduce. Now you can reduce only till zero. At zero, now you actually have to make it a cost. Now the bank is telling you, Anyambura, for me to have your deposit, it'll actually even cost you. So it's supposed to even incentivize you even further to be able to, because what they want is to see spending. They want you mm. to put money in the real economy, buy property. So putting it in the bank. E- exactly. Make the money work. Make it work. So it's it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's almost like the last frontier wow. of asking people to... And Japan is a fairly conservative Fair. society. They have a huge savings culture. Most of the Asian tigers yes. have a big savings culture. So it's a conserva- conservative, uh, and that's why you don't find maybe as many startups as you find in the West. In Japan. In Japan. In fact, I think Japan has less than five unicorns, while the United States has quite a big number of unicorns. So it's a way of kickstarting Japan and telling Japan it's time for you to do things. Don't just buy bonds and mm. save. Actually do things. Invent. Do things. So I think it's it's it's, it's a great testament to really um, asking the Japanese to do more with their money. So it's 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 it's, 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 qu- it's quite fascinating, especially if you live in a country Ken, where you're used to high, high interest level rates. Capitalism. <laughs> wow. Right. Is it a system that really works? Can we say it's a system that really works? It does work. Yeah. Uh, actually, when you think of quantitative easing, in a sense, it's kind of related to that, where governments really push money into the economy when interest rates are zero. And Japan did both. Yeah. Did both quantitative easing, where they printed money, but now also telling people, sending a signal that you no longer want big deposits. Yeah. You want money working, as you've said, in the real economy. So it's, 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 it's great if you're an entrepreneur True. in Japan, because you're almost getting, you know, very, very, very low interest rates, and you can do much, much more. Yeah. And 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 that. So it's 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 interesting how when the rest of the world is fighting inflation, Japan actually has been fighting deflation. And deflation, by the way, is so much worse than inflation wow. because inflation you can bring it down. Yeah. But deflation to bring it up, it's it's uh, Japan will tell you it can take you a decade to so get that, it back up. That would mean they need to get a new. Um, economic model so that they can maybe inject money into the system. I think that's part of the big picture. They have a new governor who's obviously he is only looking at monetary policy but Japan has deep complex issues. It's it's an aging society. It is. The highest longevity in the world. I think you have more centenarians, more people of 100 years in Japan than in any other part of the world. Uh, Very male dominated um, unlike in the West. So they are structural um, facets of Japan that have to be addressed and part of it has been attracting young labor force ah. to be able to come into this. So that's part of the big broad um, 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 sort of adjustments that yeah. the Japanese have to make. But this is strictly on the monetary policy where they're saying it's time now we start seeing interest rates sort of like almost getting to at par. Can You've educated me totally. <laughs> I <laughs> <laughs> that is so new. But how did they get there? 
So did did their economy work exceptionally to efficient or or um as you've said it's it's the the way their demographic is and uh even their culture their working culture that's how they got there we are talking about something totally different on this other side of the of of our country and uh, we'll be looking at it later when we're looking um what is happening in the markets because on the other side is the banks are now having to restrategize how we can actually go and give in more money or uh, make our deposits grow so we'll be looking at that later let's go into the commodities can uh metals are all down gold silver copper they're all down agricultural only sugar is up wheat coffee cocoa are all down crude in the natural um oil and natural gases are all up and um there's there's quite uh it's also reflective i think of the equities uh, as you had earlier mentioned so what is leading to this absolutely when you talk about gold prices they are very sensitive to us interest rates so oh, yes. if inflation numbers come up um above target and there is fear that uh the united the fed will raise interest rates what naturally will happen with interest rates on yields will go up um the dollar will strengthen mm-hmm. gold dips so gold and the dollar always move in opposite direction if the inflation numbers come uh, within the target come lower mm. um the fear of an interest rate hike um becomes postponed um the dollar loses value and gold prices go up so a lot of it is tied to the inflation numbers that will come out tomorrow so gold um almost all is up in opposite directions uh with uh with, with with the dollar so obviously what happens with the US um CPI print yeah. which will have a big big impact on gold prices okay. moving forward but it's interesting to see you know when we started this show about 6 months ago gold was about 2000 now it's um, dollars now we are 1932 yeah about 23 around, around there yeah. so it's it's, it's yeah. incredible and that's been tied to the global dollar rally which uh-huh. has really strengthened yeah. if this one big thing is and you can see how the, how divergent those two parts are yeah for agricultural we we are exp- uh, anticipating el nino if it's not already here How do you think that is going to shape up um, what we are going to be seeing in the commodities in the next few months? Yeah, I think that will have an impact on some of the agricultural commodities. Yeah. Um looking at sugar, looking at our rice, um definitely that will have an impact on that. And El Nino plays out differently in uh, different countries. Um in the South American countries you might have heavy heavy um floods. Yes. But in some countries actually you might have droughts. Wow. You know, in talk about El Nino, everybody remembers you know what happened in 1997 yes. in Kenya, those heavy rains, heavy. those Nairobi flies, mm-hmm. you know, it was a very de- <laughs> it was a terrible creatures, but actually there's also places where they actually experience droughts. Yeah. Um so El Nino is is not just a flood, it there are places with droughts. So I think that seasonality um will affect um um particularly sugar particularly rice mm-hmm. some of the, some of those key commodities so we might see um supply shocks um on those sides so definitely um, um traders yeah. in ag commodities 
are already looking at um, higher prices well, we over the next see, few months. Yeah, that's true. We can see sugar is the only one that is up, uh, well, according to as of today. Today, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's come closer home and see what's happening in our beautiful continent. What's happening in the big five economies? Nigeria. Well, the interesting thing is Nigeria, according to one uh, London-based institution, has down, been downgraded from being a frontier economy to what is called an unclassified market. That's, mm-hmm. you know, when you talk about this sort of like the strata of markets, you have, you know, the developed, the G7 markets, then you have the emerging markets. Emerging markets are countries like um, Turkey, mm-hmm. uh, Brazil, um, India, China. No, mm-hmm. but Kenya actually comes a notch below wow. with the frontier markets. Okay. So Nigeria also, surprisingly, you know, I've always, I don't know, even that caught me by surprise. I've always thought of Nigeria almost like an emerging market, given its size of its market. True. So this group, it's called the FTSE Russell Group in London, yeah. have downgraded it uh Primarily because of the currencies, the okay. currency has been really, really um, shaky over the last uh, couple of weeks, and that has caused caused fright. Now, when you downgrade, uh, uh, you know, an important country like Nigeria, yeah. um, naturally, what happens is people start exiting uh, the bosses. You might find the Lagos Stock Exchange really dipping as people sort of sell out, and everybody in the Western world, and the people in the Western world tend to be the biggest players in most of these bosses, not just in Kenya, uh-huh. but across the bosses. So they're like, why are you holding stocks in an unclassified, in an unclassified <laughs> market? <laughs> so I think Nigeria really has to really rein in what's happening in the currency yeah. market to inspire confidence. Otherwise, it can play in a very negative way and actually destroy value. Okay. Um, uh, do they have a basis as to which they... What's, like, what's the metric? Would you have an idea like what's the metric of how do they measure and say okay now we are going to downgrade you is it um, well the currency is going to lose this value but uh, it's still being affected by what's happening globally and globally we can see things are still quite a little bit tough so well well, I think uh, different institutions have different criteria okay. on how I see so this particular narrative is coming from a group called the FTSE Russell uh, based out of London, uh, but indeed um, the institutions uh, shared the parameters. It's almost like uh, you know the other a few episodes ago we looked at the issue of uh, credit rating you did. and how different credit rating agencies yeah. um, have different parameters. Some are heavy on governance, oh. some are heavy on um, debt, and then such. And it's each. So I don't think there's an official, but mm. they are some of the more common, the dominant indices. One of the most common de- dominant one is the Morgan Stanley okay. Emerging Market Indies, which actually Kenya was actually I think removed from the other day. Uh, but it, but you'd find the big dominant investment banks, the Morgan Stanleys, the Goldman Sachs, uh, they tend to have these classifications, and because of their weight and their size, yeah. you find the market sort of now uses those as a default. But there is no independent body okay. that says um, you're a frontier market. You are uh, what the the UN, the IMFs have uh, tend to be sort of similar to what is said to debt. So you have the Pretty high, in, yeah, the mm-hmm. the high indebted countries. Mm-hmm. But in terms of overall, these are colloquial terms that different institutions come up with, and just based on the dominance, uh, people many other people tend to use them. 
okay. um, colloquially. Uh, we know Morocco, there was a tragedy and we are having the earthquake that happened there. South Africa, how is the market playing on that side? Well, South Africa's prospects tend to be very tied to China. Yeah. Actually, China is South Africa's biggest um, trading partner. And the news coming out of China, you know, over the last few episodes, it's been very negative. Um, today, I can confirm there's a bit of positive news, yeah. uh, which is some of the big property markets in China, property developers are uh, getting some relief from the creditors. So that positive news playing out in China is really boosting um, the segments in South Africa. Um, so that's really the tie. It's interesting to see how directly correlated are. But still, the rand has been weakening. Uh, but I think the positive news coming from China has been, you know, think of the country garden. Um, it has um, a number of its bonds yeah. uh, that were due, had been defaulted on. Creditors have agreed to ex- make extensions on the repayments. About six of the eight bonds, mm. I think two of them are still up for voting. So there's that relief that they have another two months. So I think that positivity has really lifted the Asian markets, particularly China. Yeah. And I think that positivity has been playing in, in the South African, African bosses and really generally lifting um, the, the, that narrative. Besides that, it's just again uh, the news really of the inflation data because also South Africa is very in very highly integrated with the global economy. True. So the things that happen uh, in the Fed, in China, in Japan have a big bearing on it. You know, we have discussed, markets are very interesting. We've discussed China and how volatile, if I can use the word, the, the market was. And then we see something slight happen. Okay, let's say it's slight compared to how the size of the economy. And now it's even playing out in South Africa in a positive way. So would would you give that to government policy, um, just forces of demand and supply? What would you what would you really pinpoint it to? I think it's the effects of globalization. Okay. As I said, um, China and South Africa, you know, much of if you think of the South African fishing industry um, for particularly the specialized uh, seafood, the biggest market is actually going to China. So the demand in China plays very big. Um, if you think of the raw natural minerals that South Africa produces, again, it's China. So I think it's a fact of globalization that demand in another country highly affects um, supply in the country that it's tied to. So mm-hmm. when China rises, uh, many African, not just South Africa, yeah. uh, I mean, China is actually uh, the largest African trading partner um, for the last seven years in a row. So it's, it's, it, it is, this is a narrative that will not only play out in South Africa, but across the entire African continent. And so it's, I would say it's a fact of globalization. Now, does government policy help? I yeah. think if you look at China, they've really tried to cut interest rates when the rest of the world has been raising interest rate. China almost every week to the point where even the markets become numb and they don't even stop, they (laughs) even stop reacting to it. And I think that's why they needed to address this issue of these two property developers, um, Evergreen and Country Mm -hmm. Garden, because they really hold uh, the property market, which is about 25% Mm -hmm. of Chinese economy um, at base. So I think 
investors were looking for those more targeted interventions, not just a general cut in interest rates, but uh, yeah, very intervention. And I think what was happening with the bonds uh, that they were holding, the ability for them to really extend, I think that's what the market really wanted. And I think that's the good news that's sort of like starting to filter through uh, most of the emerging markets and frontier markets. Oh, let's see. Um, how, yeah, let's see how it, it's it's going to also play out in the next few weeks. And then now we're finally home. Uh, we had uh, the climate summit that happened uh, last week. Uh, what are the key highlights that we can take him out of the climate summit? Well, there was a communique that was issued. It was a uh, 58 point oh, wow. <laughs> communique. What I found interesting was point number seven yeah. that says they determined that climate change um, was the biggest threat um, to human. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> because we're going into carbon <laughs> credits. <laughs> right. Yeah. But point number seven was very clear. They, all the governments, they say climate change is the biggest threat facing humanity. Um, well, to, it is true. To today. Yeah. And um, so things need to happen. Um, and I think it's going to give, um, as you say, opportunities. Um, as I said last time, there are two big narratives here. It's really how do we calculate um, the things that can be reparated to Africa, which we say is the biggest victim. But I think more interestingly is the technology, the clean technology that will come up, the electric vehicles, Mm -hmm. the um, solar panels, uh, driving homes. I think that push towards clean technology, I think I find it extremely fascinating. And you might find a lot more funding um, okay. targeting the even startups that are sort of aligned to that um, might get more more funding. You right. know, there's a big talk about Kenyan startups and how they've been faring. Yeah. But yeah, I think the ones that are aligned to climate change, I think those are feeling that there'll be a lot more money really um, sort of targeting that. The fact that you've brought out the 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 companies that are coming up, and then we are seeing. Like we have seen a few that are already showing the red uh, flags, and we know starting a business is not easy. Generally, they say I think businesses between three and five year, three and five years. They that's like if they get to three, it's a, it's amazing. If you get to five, I think you've hit it. Um, and we we are seeing um, some of these businesses actually folding. We 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 have seen in the headlines. Would you would you see how this is going to affect uh, our economy? Considering one, our unemployment is absolutely really high, and then if at all the government, which is the biggest spender, is also having a challenge trying to cover up all these uh, deficits that they have, and then we're expecting, okay, Ken, since you cannot get a job. How's about you come and get a loan or you get um, a, a facilitation and then you start up a company? And then in a, in a few in a few years, let's say years or months, the business goes down. How does that um, look into the economy? You're absolutely spot on, Yambora. Most businesses don't get to see their third birthday and that has been tied to a whole plethora of reasons the most cliche, or not cliche, the most common reason 
has been about funding. We can't raise funding. Funding is difficult. But what's really coming out, um, especially when you interview founders, mm -hmm. they'll tell you it's not really about funding. It's about business model. Right. Do we have a viable business model? I think uh, we spend so much time asking about funding. What? Are startups getting mm -hmm. enough funding? But the question is, are they getting... Uh, do they have a viable business plan, a what viable business model? Okay. What's what a value proposition? The, okay. What is the solution you're providing? Exactly. Okay. So I think uh, really moving forward, even as banks really as at the forefront and circles towards lending this to these entrepreneurs, I think from the people who provide the money for onward lending, there's always a push uh, by the people providing the money to say, if you're lending money to... SMEs mm -hmm. or to startups, they need to meet this criteria. Maybe they need to be climate resilient, they need to be this and that and that. But what's really coming out right now is what really matters at the end of the day yeah. is does the business model work? Sustainability. You can have all the funding, you can have, you can meet all the checkboxes, yes. but if your business model is not yeah, working, and that's I think the challenge you're having in Kenya where we are, there's too much sort of other checkboxes that we've been looking at. And what really matters is the business model because if it's not viable and you're raising funding, uh, then definitely you're actually setting yourself up for oh. um, a big disaster. Okay, let's take a short break and we shall be back in a minute. The best mix of music, 98.4 Capital FM. 98.4 Capital FM, you're tuned in to Financial Focus with myself, Nyamburandongo, and Ken Gishinga, Chief Economist, Mentoria Economics. So, Ken, we were discussing the climate summit that just happened. We've discussed about the startups that are having a, a struggle in the economy. Now, let's look a bit into liquidity in terms of where is the money in this economy of ours. We had a report that came from Sasra, although the report was mainly focusing on year 2022. Um, let's take that also into perspective. And we discussed this last week. So distressed Kenyans withdrew 30.8 billion from the circles. But at the same time, the circles have seen their deposits grow. Now, something else that has come about is there is a 60 billion loan deposit gap. What I mean by this is the circles hold deposits of 620 billion average and they have loaned out 680 billion to the members can how does that how does that play out how 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 does that deficit play out um are the circles safe are i'm a member of a circle i love circles and i think uh, we need to have one of our beautiful circles come in to tell us how we can make and grow our money since well they have the money so how does this relate to myself and how is this going to help me and then looking at uh, the economy in Kenya? Well, broadly speaking, I'd say there is a liquidity crunch in the economy, mm -hmm. um, not least because of um, government are borrowing quite a bit. Um, if you look at the latest auctions, government was trying to raise about 40 billion shillings mm -hmm. and the T-bill rates, I think this is the first time that all the T-bill counters are at above 14%. Now, in an environment where, on the short end, 
um, T-bills at 14%, there's very little liquidity because any investment idea, um, any desire to participate in the real economy is disincentivized because anybody says, I'd rather put my money and get it risk-free. And that's why even banks, as they are hunting for deposits, uh, because they need those deposits for onward lending, are really having to pay an arm and a leg for that. So I think that's really the genesis that these it's a, the financing conditions are tight. Deposits are becoming harder and harder. Um, and that story is filtering into circles yeah. where the deposits are Kenyans are withdrawing as they build in. So I think the key narrative is uh, liquidity conditions are becoming tight. Deposits are becoming more expensive. There's huge competition for deposits yeah. in T-bills, in bonds. But also... Uh, the prospects of a business doing well are actually dimming and that's why people are depositing they're not investing so it's not even about you're competing with the bond but you're wondering now if I open this restaurant what are the likelihood that it will catch on especially when people are facing a high inflation the cost of um, living is high. Will I get enough customers? Yeah, there's too little money. Too little money. So you have people who are just saying, okay, I will, and that's what you're finding. Some people are withdrawing, but some people are also depositing yeah. to keep in that sum. So what does it mean when you have loans in excess of deposits. your deposits? Obviously, mm-hmm. it creates that gap and imbalance. Yeah. Now, the technical term, which I would not want to go deep into, called fractional reserve banking, really that describes modern-day commercial banking when if you bring your 10 shillings to me, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm your bank, and you bring me your 10 shillings, I keep one shilling in my reserve and I lend out nine I? shillings. That's called fractional reserve banking. Okay. And that's sort of like um, what's been playing out. The, the problem with that is it can lead to huge instability. Yeah. You know, when people are saying, oh, I need my deposit right now, and you can't liquidate it, yeah. it you can actually create. So I think the sooner that those gaps can be filled in. Now, how do you fill in those gaps? Yeah. Either it's shareholders injecting more capital into their businesses, the shareholders, you could have a shareholders, or now you can tell the lending side, let's actually moderate a bit until um, the books are sort of like um, aligned. Otherwise, you can end up in a situation where really you're, the term is called you're over-leveraged. Okay, yes. Where you have quite a bit of debt, but what's really you're holding on is actually quite a, quite quite little. And uh, recently we had uh, again a circle come and give us uh, member education. And one of the interesting things that I learned on that day was that circles do not have uh, bad loans. Like they cannot have bad loans. They have a way of ensuring they do not get the bad loans. But part of the survey showed that the farmers' circles have um, the highest default rate in terms of um, the members not paying back. And maybe you can tell us, what what do you think attributed to this? Considering agriculture is one of the key economic growth areas in our economy, what does that also mean? And we saw that the financial sector is the only one that is the market perception survey by CBK was one of the places that are actually looking into 
employment and they have money. So if at all we are getting defaults, this is in agriculture, then there's a cycle that is likely going to bite us. So that means maybe does the food come down, we are about to experience El Nino. What does the, all this play out for us? Well, Nyambura, they have metrics for measuring what is called a bad loan. Okay. Um, the technical word is a non-performing loan. Yes. And this is a loan that goes about 90 days um, without being serviced. And it's classified as that. Now, as you've said, um, some sectors have a higher exposure. So the farmers segment, particularly crops and dairy. Yeah. Those ones were, I think, in the high 16, 17 uh, percent. I've always said the agricultural sector is very seasonal, especially in Kenya. Yeah. Um, so trying to link it to the monthly schedule that you'd find in oh, another business right. is very difficult. And that's why we all have the whole agricultural financing corporation, which hopefully one day we can even engage here. Yeah. Because... If you look at the maize harvests, these were a period of eight months, cyclical. Mm -hmm. cyclical. Mm. And if you have good rains, if you have bad rains, so to be able to tie that to monthly installments for a farmer, in fact, what you'd find, like the wheat farmers, when they have a big bonus, um, they get the big bonus and they're able to pay off their loans very quickly. So agricultural financing needs to be, they they have to embrace the seasonality. And that's why many banks shy away. You know, it's interesting that SACOs are the ones funding yeah. um, agriculture because if you look at the main banks, last time I did the research, less than 3% of bank loans are going to, are going going to, agriculture. to agriculture, which is the biggest segment of the economy because it's very hard to commoditize it. You know, it's a seasonality thing. Really, and when they say act of God, you really can't anticipate as well. So you have to either protect uh, or mitigate the risk. So by the time I'm coming to borrow and you're asking me for all these documents, then how do I know that I'm going to get my money? I can't tell you that I know it's going to rain in September. Okay, you have really tried. Or unless now you're doing um, the the farming that is very controlled. So you're doing you're not relying on natural rainfall and all that. Then it becomes a very risky business. It, it does. You know, think of a dairy farmer in Limuru. Yeah. For example, um, you maybe um, the pastures were not, the, the rain was not good, the pastures were not good. So mm-hmm. the milk production is also low. Is also low. Um, yet you have a, a facility that demands equal payments um, every month. And yeah. that's why I think as we try to move our agriculture markets into commodities, mm. uh, one month ago, the government announced the issue of the warehouse receipting, which I think is can be a game changer, because um, yeah. now it responds to um, actual situation. So if you have a big harvest, you take your uh, maize uh, produce to the um, warehouse, yeah. um, you, it's receipted, yeah. and you can actually get funding for it. I think that is what will really okay. unlock. So that that's what's been happening in many countries around the world. I don't know why Kenya, it's taken yeah. us so long. I mean, you think of the United States. The that was like in the 1850s. Oh, wow. So, But I'm glad we are finally here yeah. as of August 2023. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that will work so much better than loans okay. that de- determine because this is now tied to... Yes. Uh, You're borrowing against something that is tangible. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think that will help the big commodities uh, be able to unlock their wealth because 
the model we have right now, as you've seen, the big defaulters. And naturally, you'd expect it in a seasonality sector okay. um, to be like that. So we are not really shocked that that's the one place that is going to default, having that also we had um, an element of drought earlier, the rains were a little bit late, and we can see all this climate change that is happening. So, well, let's see how that goes. Now, CBK <laughs> really had another survey. I think I really love CBK. <laughs> they do very many surveys, and they are, they are very educative to us. Um, so finally, deposits in the commercial banks are actually high, by six point nine, and they have hit five trillion. And uh, they are saying that there there are various things that are leading they are leading to this, and uh, the government is also putting in efforts. But first of all, there is no money. So what is leading? to an increase in deposits okay i know for the circle you have to save like uh, you have to save because they give you the loan based on your savings but for banking what is what is leading to the increase in the deposits by 6.9 percent so the two very important drivers to that number one is pretty much what i've said competition um from what you could get from government securities that's pretty standard mm-hmm. somebody will say one-year T-bill is giving me 14%. I'll go there. So you rather give me 15 mm. on my deposit. So that's a simple answer. But there's a deeper issue of what I've talked about in the past of yeah. what I call household tightening. Yeah. These are households that have funds are not really affected by post-COVID or drought or post-election or anything, but they're uncertain mm-hmm. about where we are going as a country, about the economy. And that uncertainty is pre- preventing them yeah. from investing in the real economy. So maybe I would have wanted to buy a house, I would have wanted to buy a car, but I'm not quite, when I look at the horizon, I'm not very confident about the outcome. So what do I do? That money that I would have used to buy a car or a house... You put it now into... You put it food or school fees. No, actually, or, you can mm. just put it in your deposits. It I stays, and that's what you saw during COVID. Okay. Deposits went very high because people just don't see where they can put their money, and that money can come back to them. They're playing safe. <laughs> exactly. So, actually, what you've said is actually very true. The when uh, when things look uncertain. When things look a bit shaky, yeah. people become risk averse and they try to hold on. And the deposits naturally mm, go up. So when you look at during COVID, the deposits actually spiked. It yeah. was really at a at an all time high because nobody could see where to invest. Right. So if you wanted to buy a property, you're like, okay, let me hold. I don't even know what that means mm. right now. So I think it's playing those two factors okay. of competition. Um, from government securities and just lack of clarity on the economic outlook, that is actually what's just driving deposits. So authorities should be concerned. They should be, wow, this is money that, as you said, in the case of Japan, yeah. doing work yeah, out there. So yeah. when it's not doing work, you should ask yourself, why? why what is making people lack confidence? Right. What is making people... Because people only want to spend when they know... Something. Uh, it's going to bring a return. Exactly. Well, I can tell you for sure they are competing with the T-bills and, and bonds that um, they are now offering, as you had said earlier, the five-year very lucrative interest rates, uh, which is, I think is a, I think it's a good thing, Ken. 
for those who are not able to go to banks or go to a circle, um, how do you think uh, we are doing with the digitization and the increase in the 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 small lending uh, uh, credit? Can we call them credit companies that are giving the small loans to the Monanchi through your your mobile phone? So you can actually go and get a hundred bob, fifty bob. There's the hustler fund, and all that. Uh, do you think that is also going to see a hike in the deposits, even in banking, or uh, maybe in those uh, microfinance um, lending institutions? Well, the problem with that segment is the interest rates tend to be very high, very high. Uh, almost ad quality usury. Mm. You know, you talk about some of these microfinances, even on something as uh, financing um, against a vehicle, you'll find interest rates almost 50, 53%. Wow. Incredible. So it's, 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 for me, it's, it can weigh heavily. Such high interest rates. In fact, I'm, I'm even surprised that we legalize that segment in as much as we say high risk high return yeah. i think at some point uh when things become interest rates get out of hand right. you actually perpetuate usury and mm. usury can actually lead an economy um into into huge problems so um I, you know people always say what is the solution what is the way out and yeah. again i always return to the issue of let's have a low interest rate low tax regime and a good regulatory environment. Those three things tend to go hand in hand. If you want to, if the issue is about boosting businesses, reducing unemployment, mm-hmm. those are the three, what you'd call the three bricks of the African, the three mm-hmm. African bricks of the, yeah, of, yeah. of the cooking stove. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so one thing I think um, the government is looking into when it was announced by the president is the one Okay, give a directive to lower the entry level in the treasury bills and bonds. Because right now, the minimum, if at all you want to invest, is uh, 50,000. And for those who want to do the infrastructure bonds, the minimum is 100,000. So for the for the treasury bonds, uh, for 10 years between 1 and 30, you minimum is 50. Then the other one is 100. But now, not everyone can afford the 50 and the 100. So... How do you think that is going to play out? Because uh, you you lower it and then, you know, uh, government still gets more money or the banks get more money and the government is borrowing from the banks. So do you think that is actually now still going to shake up a bit of the savings and then we'll see a little bit more money flowing in our economy? Well, when you democratize access to government securities, because you're right, the big players that tend to buy these bonds and bills are institutional players. Yeah. Uh, pension funds, banks, corporates, mm-hmm. essentially. And I think the appeal the president was trying to make yesterday was, you know, 50K, 100K, still too high for your hustler. Too high, true. How do we bring it down so that more people can participate? Yes, yes, yes. When you have more money participating, obviously the interest rates mm. are demanded a lot. In fact, you'd find for an ordinary person, maybe the interest rate they might be comfortable with might not be... The, they d- might not need the double digits. Right. So when you have a lot of people bidding at a lower interest rate, oh. obviously it can bring the what we call the weighted average, average rate yes. uh, down. But you know, people will ask, okay, is the financial literacy there? You can have the mechanics there, but 
you know to people know but i think through financial literacy that can be taught yeah. um to people and it can be an investment tool um that can democratize what has been really a privacy of really the big boys okay um so to that extent it's a good thing to whether it can bring interest rates down i think possibly it can mm. uh but what really brings interest rates down is government borrowing if government can reduce its borrowing that's the key driver to bringing down interest rates so it's really part of our fiscal policy and we as kenyans you know as as who study these documents that are published yes. we should ask is the government reducing its yeah. borrowing uh-huh. because what what worries me the most is as we said for this particular week the government was trying to raise 40 billion um to pay off maturities um that were yeah. maturing yeah and these are maturities think of interest rates this time last year what yeah. 9% so if the government needs about 40 billion shillings mm. to um pay off those the maturing loans the maturing loans that were 9% yeah how much was next year when we took a 14% how much oh. will they need and for me that's really what worries me quite a bit because every time interest is go up in mid next year they need even the more, money more money to 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 cover that and you really also want to reduce one year durations you okay. really want to what is called lengthen the, the 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 duration you really want most of your money to be out 10 years okay 20 years so you don't have huge things that are due that oh okay uh, that that due in a very short, short span time, of time because right. you also have the other loans that you're still paying off and you're recovering economy that uh, businesses are still trying to find their feet after covid elections have, all oh, these things okay. and yeah. then uh, the recurrent expenditure and the debt domestic debt that indeed, you have indeed okay now <laughs> final part of the show can i'm a bit heartbroken and we are seeing tax uh, taxes and levies that are coming up i think uh, today in one of the business dailies we had quite a shocker because uh, our absolutely amazing governor sakaja <laughs> through the nairobi county uh, bill intends on having new taxes and new levies coming up upon fellow nairobians and i like truly can i understand uh, as a finance person i really understand uh, you cannot spend what you don't have so part of the things that we are seeing that is going to be coming up will be the rents in the shops the stalls likely to go up parking likely to go up um we are seeing also the licenses in supermarkets the big supermarkets retail to, uh, shops likely to go up um we are going to see um the cost of cremation as well at langata cemetery likely to go up can business is hard as it is already we are seeing people are withdrawing money from the circles we are seeing this defaulting this government is also looking for money but at the same time you still want the little money that are making are we going are we going round um, i like using the ideology of the snake that is after its tail well i don't know if it's round but it does feel we are going in reverse right it does feel you know if you think of the philosophy that we were told during the campaigns that is a city where you can live and work and play True. uh you absolutely cannot work you know for those 
with those rates that are coming up mm-hmm. whether you're an uber driver yes whether uh, the taxis are also uh, um, there's meant to be an increase in the license the drop off something exactly uh-huh. whether you are doing um, your musical event at uhuru park ah uh, that's going to be uh, it's like it's uh, if you are having an event it is going to go up from 5000 to 100000 exactly or whether you are you're a preacher <laughs> yet uh, jivanji yeah, you know <laughs> that is a, that is an industry so you're making really the cost of business you know at a time when kenyans have gone to mandamanos mm-hmm. kenyans have really said enough we need to let businesses settle down yeah. we've had covid we've had elections we need to have businesses settle down before um adding to their cost you know whether you're selling fish or a fishmonger all these costs are going up and yeah, I don't have this money and 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 you're right we need we do need the funding but i've always said the where the constitution the article i don't know what it is of the constitution on counties yeah it it's very clear it says the main avenues are your land rates the main avenues mm-hmm. are um, some of the um, uh the fees yeah. that your parking fees so for me when i think of still most of the rating we talk about rateable properties you're paying rates of 40 years ago still outdated so that that's an is a main avenue. avenue yes update them from 1980 you can imagine how much property has gone up since 1980 yeah update the rates that's the natural avenue yeah otherwise if you don't have that you'll end up now bothering everybody else from your preacher to your concert everybody. holder to your fishmonger people who desperately thought you'd be the solution to creating jobs right but actually now you're making it harder and harder you know people start actually leaving the city mm-hmm. and looking for ah, uh, cheaper okay. places that's actually the the ultimate threat people will be actually give up and say let's actually look let's go to Kajiado Machakos or somewhere else so you end up l- making a life easier yeah, somehow and the, and the, and, the, and the, the vibe that comes with an entrepreneurial city you can actually lose that very quickly well I think uh, we need to invite uh, our lovely governor and CEC to come and maybe tell us there's something maybe we are not seeing. I mean there's so many aspects to this and I'm sure they've sat down and they've seen um, and they've heard because you know you're elected and you're actually lazima iwak right. So I think that's a conversation we need to have. But uh, can we come to the end of another beautiful financial forecast. Uh, thank you. And uh, let us uh, wait for the is it the meeting tomorrow and the information that is going to be coming from uh, globally that is going to determine where what we are expecting in the week and then I will have more to talk about next week so thank you so much um you can catch this episode of financial forecast and every other episode that we have discussed and uh, get to understand more ask us and uh, get in touch with us give us your feedback on our Capital FM SoundCloud page and anywhere where you get your podcast from it is goodbye for us and a wonderful beautiful week ahead